everybody. It's Tanya Adleta, host of Recovering Church Girls. And today's episode, it's just me. So I want to talk to you guys about an experience that I had when I was a teenager. There are so many amazing things that I got to experience by way of being in the church. And at the same time, I can easily look back to moments where I felt like something was ever so slightly off, but I didn't know exactly what it was. And you've heard me talk about already so far on Recovering Church Girls, the idea that the church that I grew up in was one that was a bit more exclusive. You know, I thought we were really progressive because it was a non-denominational church. And come to find out, I was wrong. I was very, very wrong uh, because it was really about you know, we are saved, we are set apart, and anyone else that doesn't believe what we do, well, they're just wrong. And it's our job to go and save them and convince them that we have the only way. Uh, and of course, if you guys remember your verses, you're saying along with me, the way, the truth of the life. So what does that do for a teenager and how she sees the world? It's a really interesting place to be, you know, kind of being in my mind, in my head at the age of 12 and 13 and 14, because really that was the time that I also started to get involved with short-term missions. And you've heard me talk about already just how grateful I am for those experiences, because I really, truly feel that there is nothing that can expand someone's horizon, like either traveling to a new place yourself or being able to build a true relationship with someone from a different culture, whether that is simply a different religion, if it's a different country, a different nationality, different ethnicity. There are so many things that we can learn from spending time with and really humbling ourselves to have a, a general and generous curiosity about what it might be like to see the world the way that someone else sees it. And unfortunately, that's not the way that I was raised. And I want to be really quick to say that I don't fault my parents for this. I think that there is something about that expression, when you know better, you do better. And since this time period of my life, um, even just recently, they've actually come back and they've, you know, we've had some really interesting conversations. So I want to be careful not to tell their story because it's not mine to tell. But at the same time, I think I would be remiss to not acknowledge that some of the things that I experienced almost by osmosis uh, within church were certainly reinforced at home as well. But I would go so far as to say because there wasn't any other frame of reference. And the more that we collectively as a family knew better, we could then do better. So all of that to say, here I am on my very first missions trip, and I am, let's see, in eighth grade. It's 1990, and I've gone to the country of Haiti. And I remember standing in the Port-au-Prince airport. I remember sweat rolling down my legs to the point where I thought for sure that all of my clothes must be absolutely dripping wet, and I just could barely even stand still enough to let all of this sweat drip off of me. And of course, I followed the dress code to a T, 
which meant that I had long skirts that I brought with me that were, you know, at my knee or below. And I made a few of them myself. This is kind of funny. I, I forgot about this until I just started this, this conversation with you. And one of them in particular was this big circle skirt that I made um, because somehow that just seemed to make total sense to take that to Haiti. And I made it out of a really lightweight fabric. And I was really worried being a 13, 14 year old girl growing up in the church that it might be see-through. And so I had this terrible nylon polyester slip that I wore underneath the skirt because I wanted to be sure that I wasn't wearing anything that was sheer or ever so slightly see-through um, because really it was up to me to make sure that any boys that were on my trip uh, could not be uh, distracted in any way, shape, or form by anything that I might do. And of course, you guys can hear the emphasis of the purity movement uh, going on in the background in my, in my mind in this experience. So of course, standing in the airport in Port-au-Prince, uh, there's a lot more extra sweat that is being added to this experience by way of this nylon polyester slip. So fast forward, and the experience was one that was life-changing. It really was. I mean, especially at the time I lived in Massachusetts, I was in this small, tiny little town, tiny, tiny little town, a regional high school, and we had the highest teen pregnancy rate in all of Massachusetts. And I remember my parents pulled me out of school that year because they were worried about the influence that the other students might have on me. And the fact that because, you know, such and such high school had the highest teen pregnancy rate, clearly that was not anywhere that I needed to be. So again, you start to see these influences of not only the purity movement, but also a lot of fear-based thinking. And this is the kind of stuff that I lived with as a young teenager. So when we start to talk about this idea of personal identity and finding ourselves in each other's stories, this is the kind of stuff that we really get to, to dive into and to really take a look at how those experiences, whether they were implicit or explicit, really then began to inform the way that we see the world. So here I am in Haiti, and I remember I remember so many different things about that trip. One thing in particular, I will admit, I remember the bugs because I'm just so not a bug fan, um, and gigantic frogs, and I hate frogs. I like I hate frogs with a passion, and I'm pretty sure that it has something to do with me being a control freak because every time I'm trying to avoid them, they will specifically like hop in my path, um, and that just unnerves me to no end. But one of the more tender things that I remember is spending some time with some orphans that we had the great privilege of being able to be with. There wasn't much on this trip that I can look back and say that, you know, we really did something. We really left a mark in some way, shape or form, and we specifically improved the lives of these citizens. But I do remember playing with the kids, and I remember having my hair braided and I couldn't tell you how many times I had my hair braided that week but there was just such a, a simplicity and a joy and a connection you know with these little kids as as we're not even really able to communicate but we can laugh and play and we can toss a soccer ball around and you know there was just something really just simple I think about that connection and looking back you know who I was at that point too you know people give me a hard time now because I tend to be um 
always busy. You know, that's that's a thing for me. I think you'll hear quite a bit about my trifecta of being a workaholic, being a people pleaser, being a perfectionist. That's who I became as an adult. And I think very much that that's, again, informed by uh, how I was shaped in growing up in the church. But at that time, you know, 13, 14-year-old me didn't have those tendencies, didn't have the inclination to always be doing something. So I wonder maybe if we were able to be more effective just by simply being and connecting with the people who were there and the missionaries that had spent their lives building the church and building a community there and just to be able to support them. So it's an interesting idea, very much uh, different than the idea that I would now find a lot of value in where that would be something that would be more service-based, you know, whether that's uh, clean water drilling or building orphanages or building schools, something that has, you know, kind of a longer impact. There were other missions trips I took later in my teen years that were all centered around a drama with the purpose of uh, basically proselytizing and, you know, being the evangelical Christians that the idea was to save the world by the weekend, preferably, uh, so that that way Jesus could come back because really this whole world was just pointless and an absolute waste. It, we were really all just existing simply for Jesus to come back. Again, so many layers to all the ways that that we were taught, again, whether explicitly or implicitly, and how they slowly or maybe not so slowly impacted the way that we think about things. There's something in this idea of being willing to put yourself in a place that you don't know the outcome, something where you don't have all the answers and you don't know what the other person is going to say when you ask the question. It's one of the reasons why I've loved being able to be a part of Recovering Church Girls and to bring this together. And in many ways, it brings me back to that very first missions trip because I was so hungry for the experience. I was so hungry to connect with people. It wasn't about trying to persuade anyone about their belief systems. It was simply just to connect human to human. And I think that somewhere along the way, that idea got lost in organized religion, at least in the environment that I was in. And it breaks my heart in retrospect because I really feel that that's where the magic is. And I think if anything, that's where God is. That's where this idea of namaste, you know, the God in me honors the God in you, is as close of a literal translation as we can get to the word namaste. And I love that. You know, there's so much that I don't know about other religions. And I wish I could talk more about what it might be like to experience those, you know, as it comes to recovering church girls. The idea is never to be exclusive here, but also to be very respectful of other religions and of other people's experiences. I can't talk to you about something that I didn't experience with any sort of authenticity and connection. And that's incredibly important to me. I would go so far as to say those are part of my values and the way that I choose to show up in the world and the way that I choose to be. I don't want to have some sort of pretense to to say that that is either accepted or not, because who am I to say? So if that's a conversation you guys want to have, by all means, let me know. I'd be really curious to learn more. And I think that's just it. It's being able to find ourselves in each other's stories and to ask the questions in such a way that doesn't presuppose that you already know the answer. 
you know, being able to have a conversation with someone, especially around something so tender as faith and spirituality and religion, because they are not the same thing. Faith, spirituality, and religion, those are all very three different elements to our lives. That's where we get really personal. That's where we get really tender. Whether it's something that we hold close because it is personal and a deep connection, or it's something that we experienced heartache and pain and misery, those are all different experiences and all incredibly valid. And I think that that's where there's so much to learn from each other and being able to share in this experience together. So if nothing else, I hope that that's something that we can really carry forth in these conversations within Recovering Church Girls, but also just, you know, regular everyday people running into each other at the grocery store, at the coffee shop, or what have you, just to approach with a generous and general curiosity, really both, you know, having both ends of the spectrum, to have a sincere appreciation for each other and all the life that we've lived up to this point that has helped form who we are now. And then being able to look at it all and say, okay, who am I going to choose to be now? Just because that's what I experienced doesn't mean that that's what I have to maintain. And that's where there is so much power to be had. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and and, uh, close up this conversation because I could keep rambling about these things. You guys will hear bits and pieces of more of these stories as I'm starting to unpack these things, not only through the conversations with our guest, but also in a lot of the internal work that I've been doing for the last four and five and six years. So you're going to start to see bits and pieces of, of all of these things coming together. And if any of this resonates with you, I would ask that you would join us, you know, join the conversation be able to share what has happened with you. And, you know, maybe there's a a really tender, sweet moment that you remember from your religious upbringing. And maybe there's a lot of heartache and you can't see the good, sweet things anymore because all you see is the pain. That's okay. No matter where you are on the spectrum, that's okay because it's your experience and it's valid. So if that's something you want to share with us, uh, by all means, let us know. And if this resonates with you, I ask that you would share that on as well so we can continue to find ourselves in each other's stories.